Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vedic Collinson. Vedic Smart. And I'm Vedic Jackala, and this is the Vedic Assembly. Your Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If you couldn't guess already. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, hello, 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 everyone, hello. All hail the prophets. <laughs> yes, and the emissary. The Cisco. So, hi, I'm Brandy Jackola. You may have heard me on such podcasts as The Edge, or Live from the Edge, or Warp 5 back in the day. And uh, now here I am with my good friends, Liam and Nick doing Deep Space Nine, which I've never gotten a podcast about before, and I'm so excited! Well, I'm Liam Smart, and you may have heard me from such podcasts as To The Journey and The Edge, which no longer have me on them. And yeah, that's me. Hi. (laughs) That's a terrible introduction. (laughs) Take it away, Dr. Vedic Nick. (laughs) And I am Nick Collinson. Hopefully soon to be Dr. Nick Collinson, because I just completed my PhD. Um, uh, But you may also have heard me on The Edge. Um, But now here I am with these two wonderful people. And yeah, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is definitely my favorite Star Trek series. Um, Not that I really want to play favorites because I love them all, but there is just something special about Deep Space Nine, something about how it goes kind of deeper exploring all of these themes of uh, Star Trek and allegory and uh, all all the great things. So really excited to be talking about it. Me too. I mean, I've spoken about Voyager on a show before, which is one of the 90s classic tracks. And yeah, obviously I'm doing that on the Janeway as well with Suzanne, but I'm very excited to talk Deep Space Nine. I can't tell you whether it's my favourite or not, because I don't know. It's a mystery. (laughs) I'll tell you why in a little bit. Well, I I do have a favourite series, but the thing about favourites is that when I say something is my favourite, that means it's like a micrometer more my favorite than everything else that has come before because there isn't a Trek series that I don't love. I love every single one of them that I've had the opportunity to see so far. There's more coming, new things coming, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like asking me to choose between the children that I don't have. (laughs) I just can't do it very well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If, if, you, if you ask me, Deep Space Nine teeters at the top of being my favourite with Voyager. It is an excellent series. Yeah, it is an excellent series. And there's, I think most people agree. It is. And it's probably one of the ones that have held up the most 
I reckon, in terms mm-hmm. of storytelling it's and the types of story much. that's being told, especially when some of the episodes are basically now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. And I will talk about those when we talk about my favorite episodes, because we're going to talk about our favorites, aren't we? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about our general Trek history, our history with Deep Space Nine. So this is all just the big hello intro to us and what we are all about and what we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Vedic Jackala, yeah. would you like to tell us your Trek history? My Trek history? My Trek history is as long as my life because I was born into Trek. I, I have said that more than once. <laughs> but yeah, my parents were literally watching Trek before I was born while my mom was pregnant with me. And so I remember Trek always being there. If, from the time I could first understand what television was, there's always been Trek. And it was always a family thing. And that continued even when we were all teenagers. I have two sisters. And when all of us were teenagers, and even after my older sister had left the house and my little sister was about to leave the house, we were all still watching Trek. And to this day still are, except for my dear father, who unfortunately passed away in 2005. But a lot of my favorite memories of my dad, my favorite earliest memories, are tied to Trek because I was and am a sensitive person. And sometimes Trek was frightening to me. And my dad, in those instances, would allow me to sit on his lap in his chair with him so that I would be protected from the scary things happening on screen. And so... So there there were a few times where I just pretended to be scared because I just wanted to sit with my dad. So he, was, he was very good about that. <laughs> he was like, it's okay, kid. I know you're not really scared, but just come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it started with the original series. And the animated series actually started about six months after I was born. So I actually saw that in reruns as I was growing up because it was in Saturday morning cartoon lineups. And I was 14, I believe, or almost 14 when TNG began. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. And after the first couple of episodes, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is more Trek. Are we going to keep getting more Trek? Because I didn't think we were ever going to have more Trek. And now we have more Trek and I want more of this Trek. <laughs> so. And thankfully, it's been pretty consistent since then, except between 2005 and 2000, or 2000, yeah, 2005 and 2017. Mm. If you're not including the Kelvin movies, that is. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) there we go. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they lost me before I even saw the first film with their ad campaign of this is not your father's Star Trek. Mm. And that is problematic in two ways. Number one, I loved my dad and he and I loved a lot of the same things. And that has carried on throughout my life, even without him still being around Two, uh, women like Star Trek too. Moms like Star Trek, and that's just really sexist. Mm. So they lost massive ground with me before I even saw the first film. Mm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What about you, Dr. Collinson? Well, I mean, Vedic um, Collinson. <laughs> <laughs> Vedic Doctor. Dr. Vedic Collinson. Vedic, Vedic, Vedic Doctor? 
which, which one do you put first? Vedic doctor, Dr. I Vedic? No idea. I like Dr. Vedic. It flows better. Yeah. Go with Dr. Dr. Vedic. Vedic. Sounds, <laughs> Dr. Vedic sounds like the late night version of this show. Welcome <laughs> to Dr. Vedic. <laughs> it's it's uh, Bajor's own Dr. Phil. Yeah, well, yeah. I was thinking he was Dr. Vedic. Like <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I'm well, sure there's a nighttime no, no, you version. You get someone with a good voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you get someone with a nicer voice like this. Dr. Vedic will be taking your questions soon. Please call 1-800-555-VEDIC to get your questions in now. Welcome to Love Song Requests with Dr. Vedic Collinson <laughs> on Deep Space FM. Yes, that's it. I love it. We had, I forgot, the, the name escapes me, but on one of the, like, pop radio stations here there was there was a guy with like that really really beautiful silky voice who did like the the love song requests hour in the um you know sort of in the evening oh it was great fun to listen to because he'd he'd read out these you know the little and uh jenny has requested this song for her boyfriend bob (laughs) and just like with a little like thing that people someone had written in asking he's like and this is the song Anyway, Tangent City. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of tangenting on this show. Oh, yeah. Listeners beware. It's just normal part of conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm, as it is. So anyway, uh, well, my track history. Um, so I've, I think if you listened to the first uh, open channel um, with Chris Littlefield, you would have heard uh, a little snippet of my track history. But basically, um, uh, it started, I was probably about five or six and my mum clearly recognized that I was a nerd. I was, you know, definitely the sort of child who was ripe for indoctrination into uh, sci-fi fandom, especially Star Trek. <laughs> I think because before then I was a massive fan of Thunderbirds. So I just oh, loved, yes. you know, the, you know, the... Thunderbirds, the machines, and just all of the kind of cool stuff that happened in that. So she just probably thought, hmm. So that's one show. Cause, so my mum uh, grew up in the in the 60s in New Zealand, where they were probably getting a lot of these shows from the UK and America a couple of years later than uh, when they first aired. So I think she would have thought, okay, he's really into uh, Thunderbirds. What's another show that I enjoyed watching when I was growing up? Oh, I know, Star Trek. You know, tried showing me some uh, original series, probably, because obviously that was her show. But, you know, me being the sort of kid that I was and really liking anything that looked super advanced and futuristic and and kind of postmodern, I just gravitated towards the next gen uh, era, you know, next generation, and then like Voyager and Deep Space Nine. And for a long time, I think... Voyager was my favorite because it was the one that sort of looked the most advanced and, and it was very like Federation, very Starfleet. Uh, and it wasn't until kind of much later on that I started really appreciating Deep Space Nine. But one sort of peak part of the story, which I again mentioned in the uh, little comment on Open Channel, was my 10th birthday cake where uh, <laughs> because my my aunt, who's my dad's sister, was a big sci-fi and uh, Star Trek fan and who has definitely been a big influence on my love of uh, science fiction, especially science fiction novels. She's the one who introduced me to uh, Ursula Le Guin, who's my favourite author. So on my... So my sort of personal history is I was born in New Zealand, uh, as was my younger sister, and then our whole family 
well, my immediate family, we moved over here when I was about two years old um, to Australia. Of course, with all of our extended family over there, we'd go back off, over quite often. And my birthday is just a couple of days before Christmas. So we were going over for Christmas 1999, I guess it would have been, 98, I don't know. And we were actually flying over on my 10th birthday. When we arrived, uh, we got into Auckland and we got to my uh, aunt's house. And I was having a great time because I was like, oh yeah, you know, going to New Zealand on my birthday, this is my big birthday present. Uh, And then we turn up and sort of all the family's there at my aunt and uncle's place. um, And my aunt comes out with this amazing cake that she's made that looks (laughs) like the, uh, the Voyager slash Deep Space Nine combadge delta with live long and prosper nick written on it oh it was just the best it was so good (laughs) and my mum recently dug up some of the old photographs from that which include uh, a tiny little 10 year old me with my very very 90s bowl haircut they did look like an amazing cake i got jealous it was so good 31 year old me is very jealous of 10 year old nick Mm. (laughs) so yeah that's it And, and it's just star trek has been a part of my life Ever since it sort of ebbed and flowed with, you know, other sci-fi things coming in that I've kind of got more obsessed with here and there. But it's always kind of come back around to Star Trek. And as I got a bit sort of older, you know, the two kind of overall media franchise things this is unfortunately going to be, get a little bit serious that have had the biggest influence on who I am as a person and, and sort of me and the things that I love the most have been Star Trek. And unfortunately, at the moment, Harry Potter, which I have, you know always enjoyed and like i still love the stories but a lot of very unfortunate things have come out recently of the author of that franchise being very transphobic and it's something that is very hard to reconcile when the Mm. creator of something you love turns out to not be a very good person in a way that you personally care a lot about so this is why i'm really glad to have star trek um to see not only especially with Deep Space Nine, even these episodes from the 1990s that are still so relevant today. And obviously there are missteps here and there, but it's still a lot of it is very progressive, even by today's standards. And seeing all of the new things coming out and the the cast and crew behind the shows really putting in the work to try and do good things with with the show that they're creating and also with, you know, using their power and their platform that they have from being famous, from making Star Trek to do good things, to promote things like Black Lives Matter, like trans rights, human rights. Um, So it's, I'm quite proud to be a Star Trek fan at the moment, to to put it briefly. Betic smart. (laughs) Betic smart, it's your turn, darling. Oh, yeah, well, my my story is not going to be as... uh... Deep. <laughs> that's, that's very lovely, Nick. I mean, Vedic Collinson. What are we going to call each other on this show? <laughs> uh, we can we can use the familiar first names. We've known each other long enough. Okay, before. okay. Yes. Without a hammer in the Vedic Assembly, I feel like we need a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe not a hammer. Maybe you just have like... An orb. A replica of an orb. And just slam it down like like the Klingons do in Star Trek The Undiscovered yes. Country when Kirk and McCoy yeah. are on trial. And he doesn't have a gavel. He's got this big metal glaive and a, you know, a big... Or like the stone in that steel ball. episode like where Miles was in court with the Cardassian lady. Going, yes. Oh. 
the Cardassian was that the Cardassian episode where he's taken to Cardassia to be tried for a crime? Yeah, yeah. And then they've actually already convicted him. Yeah. It's just you know, good old Cardassian legal yeah. yeah. justice. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we'll get you one of those. Let's get you one of those. Sounds good. <laughs> With my Trek history, yeah. I'll keep it brief because I have said a few things elsewhere before. Uh, my dad decided that he would make me watch an episode of Star Trek because he knew I was a nerd and I also loved mm-hmm. racing, so. He thought a racing in space episode sounded fun, which it was, which was Voyager's Drive. And that was my first entrance into Star Trek. And I got very obsessive with Voyager. I was watching like the reruns, etc. when I was like 10 or 11 or something like that. And got to the point where I was so obsessed, I wrote a script for a Voyager episode, which sort of was, was, I wouldn't say it was a full Voyager episode. It was basically plagiarized (laughs) from uh, (laughs) following on from Unimatrix Zero. I don't have it anymore. I took it to school and my English teacher said it was bad. So anyway, that's that's positive reinforcement. And then from there, once I stopped... Well, once I stopped watching Voyager, I didn't watch Enterprise, I didn't watch any of the others, it was just Voyager for me. And then I sort of disappeared from the franchise because, it's, let's face it, it wasn't the coolest thing in English high schools, <laughs> basically. And then when 2009 came around, when Star Trek came out, I thought, oh yeah, let's go and watch it, and I loved it. And I know that there's not many, there aren't many people, no, oh, that's not fair to say, it's got some criticism, the Kelvin Timeline movies, which is fair enough. Like, I get that, especially with Into Darkness. But to me, it brought a load of people back into the franchise. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to then decide to go back and watch TNG, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, and then be obsessed with Discovery and talking to you guys. You know, and so it, the 2009 and the Kelvin franchise movies did bring me back into it, and I'm thankful for them for that, and thankful for basically that bringing the whole new load of Trek that we're getting now. Well, I have never said that I wished that the Kelvin movies didn't exist. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? And yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying that people think because I don't like them, which to be fair, I do like Beyond. Yeah, Beyond was good. But the. They uh, and and for for most people who liked the first two movies, they hated Beyond. Whereas I hated hmm. the first two movies, and I liked Beyond. But I recognized that, despite the fact that it was not something that I overall enjoyed, that it did bring new Star Trek fans into the fold. And I would never ever wish for that to be reversed in any way. Mm. If that can happen through something that I personally didn't like, I have no problem with that. Trek fans are Trek fans. I don't care how you came into it. You're here now. You're family. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, at the cinema for Star Trek Into Darkness, I got myself so excited that we went to see it in gold class and Jordan and I were sitting there and like, I was so pumped that when that the first bar of the opening music came on i just bawled my eyes out <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so excited john's looking at me like what's going on hi we had completely offset experiences with that one <laughs> no, no no that's at the beginning near the end i'm like what's going on but i was so excited with it yeah that that was one where i saw i saw 2009 in the theater on my birthday this is not about all of trek though is it so 
Yeah. So we should talk. Should we talk about how uh, each of us uh, enveloped Deep Space Nine into our lives? Sure. Yeah. Who wants to go first? Go Vedic Collinson. Sure. So I... It's weird. So I mentioned that, like, when I was younger, sort of through my, like, childhood and into my, you know, early and mid-teens, like, I was really into kind of all Star Trek in general, especially Voyager, because I was mostly into, like, the all the cool-looking Federation stuff that you see, like, on board Voyager, and in the few episodes, um, like, Equinox and Mes- Message in a Bottle, where you see other Starfleet ships. I, like, <laughs> rewatched Message in a Bottle a few times because I love the Prometheus class and the way mm. it, like, splits into three and all of that. Such um, a great episode that is as well. I And it's weird because... I don't know how common this opinion was at the time or if it was just me and like my sort of one other Trekkie friend who I've completely lost contact with now. We were both pretty much of the opinion that Deep Space Nine was boring and not great. And I feel like I saw that from quite a few people at the time and I'm not sure how common it was or if it was just the fact that we were kids and didn't understand how good it was. Because that opinion kind of stuck with me for a little while until... It was around 2014, 2015, when all of Star Trek was on Netflix. Yeah, I think it was when they just got it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go through and sort of start rewatching. It actually started with a rewatch of Voyager, which I would watch to make myself feel better while I was working at the worst job I've ever had. And by the time I got through that, I was like, yeah, that was good. All right, I'm just going to do my thing and work my way backwards uh chronologically through the series because why not um so i started on deep space nine and it took me a while because there are still a few you know first season episodes that like aren't great but there are also some really fantastic ones so it it hooked me in quite quickly and then i was sort of getting involved a lot more in fan communities and stuff it was a little bit after that that I started listening to like Star Trek podcasts and stuff like that and hearing a lot of other people talking about how great they thought Deep Space Nine was. I think a big influence for me as well was um, I was then and still am a big fan of a group of internet comedians and uh, Twitch streamers called Loading Ready Run who are just great, wonderful people and they've got a fantastic uh, supportive community. And, you know, they're gamers, they're nerds and geeky people, so... A lot of them are really into Star Trek as well. And there are a couple of them, especially, who were talking a lot about why they loved Deep Space Nine so much and all of the really good episodes in it. And it may even have been at one point when they were doing a charity live stream and one guy was challenged to do a dramatic reading of Cisco's final log entry at the end of In the Pale Moonlight. Um, and then they explained the plot of that episode. And then I just thought, yeah, yeah, that's a really good very like deep insightful show i need to like properly watch through all of it and really like take it all in and then it just sort of very organically evolved into being my favorite because it just it deals with these issues in such a interesting and complex way vedic jackala no vedic smart it's your turn you go i'm probably the newest watcher of deep space nine between the three of us so as i said 2009 and 2013 brought me back into Trek when they all got released on Netflix I'm like oh Voyager so I went through Voyager for the third time and then I went through Voyager for the fourth time and then I thought right okay 
at the fourth time is when I got my partner to watch Voyager and he loved it. And then we decided we'd watch Enterprise because I'm very much a person for the visual effects. So if I find the visual effects quite difficult to watch, it takes me right out of the show. And that's putting it out there now for new listeners to me. That's why I can't watch TOS or one of the reasons why I can't watch TOS. It is just, I find it too difficult. But after Enterprise, that's where Jordan left off. I'm like, I need to finish Star Trek. So I decided I'd watch Deep Space Nine because, you know, it's a little bit newer than TNG. And I thought, well, it's supposed to be good, etc. Watched it. And then I couldn't get past A Man Alone, like the fourth episode, the one with Odo, where he's accused of killing a Bajoran criminal. I just couldn't, couldn't stomach the episode. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. So I tried watching it by myself, didn't do it. So then I decided to watch TNG. I tried watching it with mum. We didn't get past a man alone because I just couldn't stand Odo. So then when I ran out of uh, Trek to watch, I forced my way through it. And I pretty much had to force my way through season one. I mean, a man alone, I didn't like. Uh, move along home. <laughs> Alan Moraine. Uh, but once I made it to the end, like getting up to Dramatis Personae duet and in the hands of the prophets, I'm like, oh, 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 here we go. I'm really starting to enjoy it now. And now I'm on my secondary watch and watching it again with Jordan. And now Jordan's well and truly hooked into it. So it took me a long time to try and get into Deep Space Nine, but I'm so glad I did because it is or I think it has the best storyline over all of the Trek shows. And I I struggle to try and tell people to watch it without ruining it. Because mm. I, I'm trying to tell a couple of my friends, you should watch it. It's great. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I can't tell you because there's so many twists and turns. And it's just awesome. And yeah, and they they won't take my word for it. But yeah, that's my history. What about you, Vedic Jackala? Uh, well, for me, I watched Deep Space Nine when it premiered and I got to about two thirds of the way through season two. And I just, you know, I, I guess my life experiences up to that point had not prepared me for empathizing with anyone on that show. Mm. <laughs> and I just couldn't find a connection at the time. Uh, I'm not saying that was wrong or right. I'm just saying that's just the way I felt at the time. And so uh, fast forward like 20 years, and I have a couple of friends in England, uh, a, a vicar and his wife, uh, Peter and Anne-Marie, and they started, uh, yeah, they're, they're fantastic people, and they started a, a Next Generation podcast called The Borg Cast, which is funny because their last name is Organ. So it was a little B and then Org. So the Borg Cast, because they're, yeah. And they started through going through TNG. And as they neared that time where TNG and DS9 overlapped, they decided they were going to start covering DS9 as well. And what they would do is alternate. They would do the TNG episode one week, and the DS9 episode the next week. And I thought, okay, maybe it's time that I revisit this and see if I feel differently about it. I blew through the entire seven seasons in less than a month. <laughs> because once I got past that spot in season two where I dropped off before, 
once I once I got to the end of season two, beginning of season three, it was just like I, I was watching it while I was getting ready in the morning. I was watching it every possible second that I could because I just couldn't stop. I had to know what was going to happen. Mm. And certain things I had already known about that are further along in the series. But getting to that point was so much more enriching because I finally had, I guess, the life experience that I needed to to understand how deep these stories yeah, went. I agree with that. And so I finally got it. And I just, there was a lot of crying. I cry at everything. Um, everyone who has not heard me podcast before should just get used to that. You're going to hear me cry at some point. It will happen. But yeah, there was, there's just so much, there's so much there. And I just gained such a deep appreciation for this show that I just didn't have in the time that it was actually on air. And, you know, I don't necessarily have regrets that I didn't get fully through it at that time because I don't know that I would have had the same reaction that I did watching it this many years later and finally being able to make these connections and go, Mm. oh, I get it! I get it! (laughs) So that's, that's my history with... Deep Space Nine, and uh, I even was watching an episode today because I just wanted to revisit it so badly, and I just remember it being so great, just because I'm a TOS fan. It was Trials and Tribulations. Of course it was. And (laughs) it was just so, I just sat there the entire time thinking, maybe this hasn't aged as well. Oh no, it's still amazing. Mm -hmm. It's still seamless at how they incorporated that old footage and that new footage yeah. and just blew my mind. Even the big trident scanner. Somebody had the big trident scanner that Spock had and I loved it. <laughs> it's like, thank you. You know your audience for this one. Yeah, good times. That's awesome. That probably segues us on to, I guess, what our favorite DS9 episodes are. Oh, yeah, my list got so long, so I'm going to have to abbreviate. <laughs> <laughs> my, mine... How long do we have, guys? Oh, I don't know. How long, it depends how long our listeners want to actually listen to us for. <laughs> yeah. Far away, Vedic Jack. Well, I could... This is not a comprehensive list because I started paring it down because it ended up being like <sighs> 25 things. But over the course of seven seasons, that's actually anyway. But I am going to say there are some in um, in season one that I do really like. I chose one from season one, which was actually Battle Lines, Ooh. because that is mm-hmm. where Opaka dies mm-hmm. and then is mysteriously resurrected, and this uh, this fight between the Innis and the Nolinus, and it's it's a turning point for Kira because all she's ever known is violence. And this is the episode where she finally starts thinking about that and starts healing with Opaka's gentle nudging. Yeah. And I was bummed that Opaka was going to be stuck on that planet for the rest of her unnatural life because I really liked her. And that her. we never went back to see her either. N- not, not on screen, they sure didn't. Yeah. In a book, I they think, sure they did, did or not. a game or something. Yep. Can you imagine, though, so, if... So that- can, sorry, can you imagine if they did go back to that planet and they took Kaiwin with them? <laughs> Kaiwin and like ghostly ghost Apaka. 
Hmm. That would have been that. And they just accidentally crash her shuttle onto the planet, <laughs> so now she's stuck there with Opaka <laughs> and then Ennis and then Nolan. Oh, I did. I really Sorry. liked Opaka. She was she was lovely. I just wanted to give her a big hug. I know she just made you feel so good. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to scream through these really fast. I might touch on some of them a little bit more. Okay. Uh, season two, episode five, Cardassians, because lots of Garrick and Ducat. And uh, it's also uh, shortly after that, three episodes after that, that we first hear of the Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Season two, episode 14, Whispers. Ki- the usual kind of episode I hate. Um, O'Brien, everybody's starting to suspect O'Brien. He's starting to get paranoid. Turns out he's a clone. Uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> Blood Oath. Okay. <laughs> Whether you love or hate Blood Oath, I freaking love Blood Oath because they got the same actors oh, who yeah. originally played Kor, Koloth, and King. It doesn't get any better than that. That brought me so much joy. I can't even tell you. <laughs> Blood Oath and has it's, that. it goes back to the I'm sorry, go ahead. No, just because it has that wonderful moment of uh, Curzon, my beloved old friend. I'm Jadzia now. Jadzia, my beloved old friend. <laughs> my beloved old friend. <laughs> Which I've seen so many it's people brilliant. sharing that um, as, as a meme and just being like, see, even Klingon said trans rights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like also how when we were having the whole Voke thing in Discovery, everyone was coming back to that particular episode thinking there's an albino in that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, uh, season two, episode 22, The Wire, because Garrick, so much Garrick, lots of Garrick. You find out so much about Garrick and so much you're not sure what to believe, and that's yeah. the best part. Uh, and uh, season three, episodes one and two, The Search. Welcome to the Dominion. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, the founders have arrived. We now have the Defiant, the Jem Hadar, the Vorda, and. To rule, played by Martha Hackett. Romulan Seska. <laughs> yes, exactly. Love it. Um, season three, episode five, Second Skin. Another kind of story I usually hate. Kira wakes up as a Cardassian. Oh, <laughs> it's fun. It's I watched fun. that and I'm like, what? <laughs> but it's, it's a great episode. Yep. I really feel that it's uh, it says a lot about Kira's character, but also it was just well acted by all those involved. Um, and this is going to come as a pr- surprise to absolutely no one. Season 3, episodes 11 and 12, past tense, parts 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. The Bell Riots. Oh, this yeah. is so prescient of stuff that is going yeah. on right this very second in this country. And even back then, I was just like, oh, this could be our future because we're still not where we need to be, where civil rights are concerned and where racism is concerned. We act like we're the greatest country in the world over here, but we've got massive problems when it comes to equality. And I don't know why it has taken this long to figure this out. It should just be, you know, equality is not a finite resource, people. You know, someone is not does not have less opportunities because someone also has those opportunities yeah. for heaven's sake. <sighs> Absolutely amazing performances in that as well. Mm. Uh, season four, episode three, the visitor. Oh no. Buckets of tears all the time. I just can't make it. All through. of it. Yeah. I, and I, I got to meet Tony Todd and tell him exactly how much I loved that episode and also how much I loved him as Kern and just, you know, He's just, he's a sensitive soul, that one, and I love him passionately, not not in a, like, 
sexual way, but Tony is an amazing person, you guys. Um, fabulous episode. Season four, episode eight, Little Green Men. <laughs> Obvious reasons. Yep, that's just Obvious fun. reasons. Fun for Amy It's just Chapa. amazing. Yeah. Another one for obvious reasons, our man Bashir. 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 Season 4, episode 10. Um, if, if you want to see how I really feel about that, you can also go find that episode of The Unready Room we did over on uh, Kurt, Rats, Kurt Rats Productions' YouTube channel. Uh, again, season 5, episode 6, Trials and Tribulations, because it's just fun. And I love how it's the story starts with Cisco telling, you know, the uh, temporal... Dolan investigations guys what happens and he's just and he and when they find out they've actually time traveled he's like i do not want a visit from temporal investigations <laughs> <laughs> too late i would love star trek um, temporal investigations as a show that would be amazing there are books yeah there are books i haven't those. read all of them yet but there are books uh season five episode 22 children of time also one that just makes me mm-hmm. <laughs> um Season 5, episode 24, Empok Noor, because it is freaky yes. and amazing. Empok Noor <laughs> is on my list of my much shorter list. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm almost done. Season 5, episode 26, Call to Arms, various reasons, mm-hmm. uh, obvious reasons. It's uh, it's a cha- game changer. Uh, season 6, episode 6, Sacrifice of Angels, because we finally get everyone back on Deep Space Nine. But all of that building up to that point mm. as well. Um Season six, episode 13, some more love it, some hate it, but I really love it far beyond the stars because it again oh, highlights God. racism mm-hmm. in the history of America mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and breaks my heart at the same time. Uh, ooh, this one's hard. Season six, episode 17, wrongs darker than the death or night. Mm. And that's when Kira finds out her mom <laughs> was basically Ducat's concubine. Mm. <sighs> Season 7, episode 10, It's Only a Paper Moon. Duh. Mm-hmm. Amazing episode. And then, of course, season 7, episode 15, Bada Bing, Bada Bang. you got to love just a heist episode. Yeah. And, of course, no list would be complete without what you leave behind. And therein ends my list, because that's the last episode of Deep Space Nine. Mm. See, I've got a much shorter list. The way I so Dude, I-, I pared that down. <laughs> I pared that down. I, I looked at it, and I'm like... Anything with the Dominion is amazing. So everything's mm-hmm. like cool to arms, etc. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to love it. So I've put down ones that are slightly different. Duet. I love Duet. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Kira and the Cardassian guy. The Cardassian in that broke my heart. I'm just like, oh, it, it, oh. Mm-hmm. And then I really enjoyed, and I know this is a... Keiko O'Brien episode, who I have no problem with, but some people really do, is In the Hands of the Prophets, the one where they shut down the school. I love that one. I really enjoy that one because I'm just like, yep, no, I can see this happening. And then, of course, there's past tense I've written down because I watched that maybe three weeks ago. And I'm just like, oh, my God. This is like basically turning on the news channel. Mm Mm-hmm. I also really enjoy the Garrick two-parter, Improbable Cause and the Dyer's cast, because it's also the first time we find out that um, the changelings are now infiltrating places because you had the Romulan guy, and that's how they knew they were going to be attacking the new Founders' homeworld. So that was exciting. And also Anabran Tane. He does not get enough credit. I love Anabran mm. Tane, and I love his cardigan. Same. It's yes. just the perfect cardigan. <laughs> 
for him. In he's, he's like Robert April in Cardassian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just kidding. Facets. I just enjoy seeing Dax's past hosts, more like they're not not the actual past hosts, but about them. Uh, of course, Trials and Tribulations, Empok Nor. Of course, that's just because it's a creepy episode. Mm. I really enjoy Siege of AR five five eight. Oh yeah. Oh, that it's, one. Yeah, that one's hard for me, but it's it's, it's excellent. It is one of the hardest episodes to watch, and I think I, I remember the first time watching it. I'm like, oh. Oh no! Oh oh oh! I can't look. And then obviously followed up by it's only a paper moon and how Nog feels. I'm just like oh. And uh, far beyond the stars, I just really enjoy that episode. But the one that I think a lot of people hate and I like is let he who is without sin, which is that one where they're on riser and the weather machine breaks or gets done. Because I am I love the weather. I literally this week, as of time of recording, <laughs> applied to the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia for a graduate program. So I, I'm, I'm a weather boy. Well, but I mean, there are problems with the episode. <laughs> yeah, but no, I was I was so much more worried you were going to say Meridian and I would have been like, I'm coming through that camera to smack the hell out of you. I'm not sure. Look, I'm not sure what I think about Meridian, to be honest, because sometimes I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Why would she do this? And then sometimes I'm like, it's an interesting story, like the science it's fiction. It's not, though. It's a <laughs> ripoff of Brigadoon. Is it? It is a direct ripoff of Brigadoon. What's Brigadoon? Brigadoon was a musical from the 50s about a town that only appears every hundred years or oh. so. And two <laughs> men happen to be nearby when the town appears and... Every time they appear, when they appear, that's one day for them. Right. One day. So, yeah, then the two guys are there and one of them falls in love with Sid Charisse. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I saw that episode, I'm like, oh, my God, not Brigadoon. <laughs> I hate, I hate that musical. Well, <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to put it down there with my lowest of lows, but my okay. most my most thing about Meridian is why the hell would she be like, I've known you for 13 seconds and I'm going to go into an ethereal, non-corporeal form for the next 67 years. It's like, why would you do this? Yeah, you're the same person. You're like 300 and something years old, Dax. Surely you've had a little bit more life experience than this to be running off with strangers. <laughs> You're not 12. <laughs> well, and not only that, running off with the symbionts is like, hello, that is not okay. Yeah. There are so few symbionts, you can't just decide mm. that you are going to spend the rest of your life reappearing only every 67 years. That's not okay. Yeah. No. That's not okay. <gasps> In any way. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Vedic Collinson. Oh, wow. So I, I can only, I can think of. I could either list basically every episode that you guys already have um, and and almost every episode of the show, um, or I could just hone it really in on, like, the two that really are, like, my top, like, the ones that I like the most. And that is Far Beyond the Stars, just because it is so, so relevant and poignant and from a technical point of view, it is so well made as well. Like, yeah. everyone's performances mm. in it, as all of these different characters is just so, so fantastic. It's like, it's such a, 
serious and strong episode, but at the same time, you can tell that they're all really having fun playing these characters. So it's a step out, isn't it, from what they're normally playing? And I enjoy those kind of episodes just for that purpose, but the story behind it is awesome. And especially getting the chance to see, you know, uh, so so many of them, you know, who you normally just see in all of their makeup, just as they are. And I like the little switch of characters, you know, having um, uh, Armin Shimmerman playing this guy who is, you know, a, a unionist and, you know, although the character denies it, basically a communist. <laughs> as opposed to Quark. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, having, you know, Ducat and uh, Damar as the as the two corrupt cops it's just <laughs> oh, it's a really really good episode i love it um but the other one which i i think is possibly slightly higher as my favorite and i think i've mentioned many times that this is not just my favorite ds9 or star trek episode but kind of my favorite episode of any tv show is um in the pale moonlight because mm. it just it shows so much of what the Dominion War has done to Cisco personally and to like all of the the people on DS9 in the in the war and just to the Federation in general. It's like that theme of like how much of ourselves are we willing to sacrifice in order to win this war? You know, how much of our like ideals are we willing to put aside um in order to survive is just you know, it's something that was I felt was a big theme in season one of Star Trek Discovery as well, which was why I really liked that as well. And just the and, way that... And it, season three of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. It shows how you can lose yourself. Yeah, exactly. And and the way that this episode is presented through his framing device of his log entry, where he is just staring directly down the barrel of the camera. Yeah, it is, just, it is such a well-made episode. And it, it just really, like... It hits home of just how desperate the Dominion War has got. Yeah. And it also has wonderful, you know, Garrick being peak Garrick in that episode as well. <laughs> peak Garrick. And, yeah, and it is. It is perfect. I left it off my list because, I, like I said, I pared it down from about 50. Mm. Yeah. And I left it off because I'm just like, mm, this is this is very Dominion War. But it is 100% one of the strongest episodes of the show. Of Star Trek of all time, yeah. really. Finishing with delete that entire personal log. Because he, he, he wasn't doing it for posterity. He was doing it for himself to to try to justify it to himself. <laughs> He's got here, isn't he? <laughs> Did we want to briefly go into our most liked characters? Sure. Yeah. Can I put it out there that I love Kai Wynn? <laughs> we know because you Real love flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kai Win. I just, I just love how she. Oh, I've forgotten the actress's name. Uh, Louise Fletcher. I just love how Louise Fletcher mm. plays Kai Win all the way from being Vedic Win and trying to outsmart and take over from Vedic Burial and then t- to become Kai yeah. and what she does with Shakar. It's. I I, I love her. And I know that a lot of people don't. I think I, she is a very, very, like, well-written and effective villain throughout mm. the whole thing. And I could say the same about um, Ducat as yeah. well through most of it. I think he is just, through a lot of it, he you f- almost feel like he's this sort of m- moustache-twirling villain, but he's actually got <laughs> a lot of complexity to him. Oh, definitely. 
And I have a little thing for Descartes as well. His voice, and I don't know, there's something about him that I'm like, oh, hello. But I like the bad boys and girls, so. That's fair. But if you if you, if you think about the main characters, I would, oh, it's really hard to choose. This is why I think Deep Space Nine is often Pip's Voyager for me, is that all the characters, not only the main ones, but the secondary cast, I have a lot of trouble picking who I like the most. Because I like the Grand Nagus, I like Rom, I like Lita, I like Damar, you know? I like them all. There's not one where I'm just like, do I really really like you? No, I like all of them, and all of their storylines are fascinating. Not about you, Vedic, uh, whichever one wants to go next. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, well, I mean, Brett, I imagine you and I are going to have the same answer for our for our absolute favourite, Brandy, mm. because you are wearing the badge of him. Garrick is just so wonderful. But I mean, I, I think aside from him, like Liam, you're absolutely right. There's like it's really hard to to pick who, because I mean, even the characters like you know Descartes and Kaiwin and stuff, who are not at all likable, are just very complex and and you know everyone has such you know great character development through the whole series you know and re-watching it more recently you know i love um kira because she's just such a a well-written you know strong character and you know i really like that she is this you know former freedom fighter or even she calls herself a terrorist um and she's like this is this is who i was and it's you know so much of her is like finding it very difficult to, you know, reconcile this past as a as a sort of activist freedom fighter with sort of working with you know the Federation and you know knowing so many of her former comrades from the resistance aren't happy with the Federation because they see them as not that different from the Cardassians and even sometimes having to work with the Cardassians and just her kind of emotional turmoil at that. Cisco is an amazing, complex character. Just a really amazing, positive example of fatherhood in the world of Star Trek. Yeah, there are just too many fantastic characters to note. But yeah, if I have to pick one as the favorite, it's Garrick. I I have split mine into um, favorite recurring characters versus favorite main cast characters. Smart. So obviously, Garrick. Yeah, uh, Garrick. Love Garrick. And any time, if you pop quiz me, what's your favorite DS9 character? Garrick is going to come out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not to say that I love any of the rest of them any less. But as far as main cast, uh, it's going to be Kira. Because she has such a journey. Mm. I mean, all of them do. But her journey is just fascinating and heartbreaking and amazing and depressing and all these things things i think and you know the thing is is i do like ducat i could never i've never gotten to the point i mean i love to hate kai win the thing is is that ducat could inspire sympathy in me in one or two episodes but kai win never did not once did i ever feel sympathy for her so I love to hate her. I love Louise Fletcher. I love what she did with the character, but I love to hate her. So, and I think that's probably the reaction that a lot of people have 
is they love to hate her. That's what she's there for is to be this. And I, I think the thing that bothers me the most is because, you know, Ducat, he doesn't really have a lot of authority or pull anywhere on Bajor or Deep Space Nine. But Kai Wynn controls an entire planet's future. Yep. And that was the problem that I had. So I just could not, all I could do was hate her <laughs> as far as that. But again, it's amazingly, she's amazingly well-written. I, I seed all of those things. It's just that every time she was on screen, I was just, I'm just clenching my jaw. But that's, that's the greatness of Louise Fletcher. So well done in that regard. But yeah. Good old Kai win. <laughs> By the end of this show, in however many episodes we do, I'm going to be Kai smart. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm going to be Kai Jackala. We're all going to be Kais in different times. Mm -hmm. I'm the Kai of Adelaide. There we go. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to be the Kai of Utah. This place is full of stupid people. <laughs> but maybe that's why I should be Kai here. Because, you know, they need guidance big time. Well, I suppose that we should... Give the listeners just a little clue about what's coming up next time. Actually, it's more than a little clue. We are going to do a deep dive into the premiere episodes of Deep Space Nine, Emissary, which I think they're shown now as two parts when they're in syndication. But if I remember correctly, it was all just one big long episode when it premiered. So we're going to take a deep dive into that. Of course, that's not all that we're going to do on this show. There's a lot of different things that we're going to cover in all corners of that Deep Space Nine playground. So, but we're going to start where it all began, which is Emissary. Yes. We're going to also be doing some writer's room things. We can make up our own little episodes. Yes. Uh, but also, obviously, we'll be going into characters and all sorts of bits and pieces. So, yeah, we uh, urge you to continue listening to the Vedic Assembly after this introduction show. We promise it'll be worth the ride. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and Liam record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly. And also please join us in our listeners community called The Nexus on Facebook. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you should be able to find it. You can find me, Liam, on Twitter at LS74656 and also on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can also find Brandy on Twitter at BrandyWine12 and on this network hosting Boldly Go, our new Strange New Worlds podcast. The Vedic Assembly is proudly part of the Holosuite Media Network. Disassemble! This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Starbase One.
a Star Trek Online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning. The structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase 1. Welcome to Starbase 1. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Loading Suite preview program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. True, but, but how do you decide what's empty fan service and what's, you know, substantial fan service? What's the difference? Uh, watch Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, and you'll see <laughs> some examples of empty fan service. Uh, okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But you know, they can do. I've said this before, but they can do whatever they want to because it's animated. They can have any voice actor from any other Star Trek series and figure out a way to write them in. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. During the whole lockdown around the world, Enterprise is having a surge in popularity. I don't know if you've seen it. That's what I've been hearing. It's crazy, like the Facebook groups, Twitter, everyone is talking about Enterprise. And I didn't realize so many Trek fans had never even watched it. It's nuts. People call themselves lifelong Trekkies who never watched it and are loving it now. I said to someone a week or two ago, I said, look, I'm so glad that you're finally getting around to watching it and enjoying it. But where were you guys (laughs) 15 years ago when we needed did you when the show was on the edge and then ultimately got cancelled computer deactivate holosuite